Hi, I'm Alec Hogg, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the newest member of the Biz News Radio team, the inimitable Carrie Adams, with her regular podcast, which we're calling Carrie's Corner. Described as the queen of South Africa's wine and spirits industry, Carrie is an internationally esteemed fine wine critic, a competition judge and all-round wine encyclopedia. She's deeply plugged into the alcohol industry, which contributes 173 billion rand a year. That's around 3.5% of South Africa's GDP. During 30 years as a partner in and director of Norman Goodfellows, Carrie helped to build the company into the country's leading top-end liquor retailing group. Academically qualified in Europe in the sector and with a highly developed nose, she's often interviewed, occasionally writes columns, travels widely to wine country, and for some years was the host of the Classic FM wine show before seeing the podcasting light. Carrie is the mother of one human and two Scottish Terriers. So down to business. And in this podcast, Carrie chats to Mutle Mohasi of the national wine industry body Vinpro, which announced this week that it is taking the South African government to court in an effort to overturn the liquor sales ban. Among its demands are that prohibition in the Western Cape be immediately lifted to recognize the sharp decline in that province's coronavirus infections. Here's Carrie. Whitley, we are experiencing unprecedented chaos in the wine industry and you are a board member of Vinpro. Give the listeners a little bit of an update as to what Vinpro is. Vinpro is a non-profit company, uh, originally a cooperative, established solely for the benefit of members. Uh, Two and a half thousand uh, members that are made up of uh, producers, uh, brand owners, sellers, uh, and pretty much most of the value chain in the wine business. Okay, so they pay a membership fee and you give them what? They pass a membership membership fee, and we do a whole lot of things. One is obviously lobbying and liaising with government on developments in the industry. It is an agricultural product, uh, so most of the dealings are with the Department of Agriculture. Um, we also provide certain technical services, uh, geosciences, so viticulture, uh, and where there's market failure in the wine industry, we'll provide those services, including uh, new plant material and uh, vit- and uh, uh, software. Yeah. Yes, and I'm sure enological advice, winemaking help. Yeah. Is that, is all it? of the stuff, all the innovations, yeah, mm. we, we try mm. and drive those. Yeah. So, your liaising with government, I think we've got a little bit of a hot off the press because you're about to take government to court, aren't you? Yeah, the industry is about to take the government to court. Vinpro, obviously, driving the whole process. The members are under pressure. Uh, everyone understands the seriousness of COVID and accept that something has to be done to control COVID. Mm. Uh, but I think the approach probably hasn't worked for the industry and puts a lot of other lives at risk uh, through the loss of income and the closure of businesses. 
And therefore, you've got to look at the post-COVID and current COVID situation, that you're going to sit with a situation where a lot of businesses have been destroyed, jobs permanently gone, uh, especially in the rural areas. It's a nightmare because, you know, whilst, I mean, I, it is my industry, it's my livelihood, it's where, it's what pays my rent and puts dinner on my table. So I really have to play devil's advocate here and be fair. If I was Cyril Ramaphosa, I'm not sure I'd know what to do either because it really does boil down to being sensible. And he's sort of damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. If you were Cyril, what would you do? It's finding a balance, uh, the correct balance. Um, I think we, you know, one of the things that the industry has proposed was keep the care for you uh, and get the alcohol back to that Monday to Thursday sales uh, so that everyone is kept in business, the jobs are kept, and that's really what, it, what it's about. It so, so it's, Sorry. No, just saying it's, the balance is extremely important. Mm. There's been some talk about possibly converting the sales to online sales, which is not really going to work because then we're talking about restaurants, bars, shabins, taverns, um, stores. Not everybody can make a living out of online sales, so that's not really an option no, it's gotta be, either. Yeah, that's got to be physical. I mean, if you look at the wine industry in the Western Cape, the wine business, uh, including the whole value chain, accounts for about 10% of the Western Cape GDP. Wow. So you need those wine farms to keep operating. A lot of the farms are really small farms and don't have the infrastructure to distribute, so they're completely dependent on people coming on site. So that's quite an important piece. Uh, half of the wineries have, 45%, have uh, on-site restaurants. So that's a very, very important uh, distribution method, methodology uh, to, to keep the business going. The one thing that has actually been quite clear to me, which I'd never really thought too, too much about before, and maybe is subject for discussion as well, is restaurants are battling without the sale of alcohol. How is that happening? Maybe we need to readjust the fact that we're not paying enough for food when we go out for a meal. Because if you own a restaurant and your main business is food and your only income is coming from beverage, there's something wrong. There's that balance we're talking about gone wrong again. Because if that's the case, the restaurant owner is is sort of dependent upon Motley and Carrie drinking three bottles of wine in order to make their meal pay. We yeah. need to address that, really, don't we? Perhaps, Carrie, but that's not my it's business. Not for now. I'm not, yeah, <laughs> say, I don't understand the business models <laughs> that yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. other thing, of course, that I wanted to chat to you about is the emergence of the illicit black market trade that has happened as a result of prohibition. We all saw, and we've got millions of stories, movies, gangster books, what have you to read, learning from prohibition in America. We've got exactly the same thing playing itself out in South Africa. How are we going to do away with this black market trade once COVID is gone? And that's our concern. Uh, the problem is that you're changing the moral fiber of society, uh, and that's got long-term implications, uh, and uh, it's not good at all for anyone, uh, but also for the fiscus. Um, you know, we collect uh, on behalf of the fiscus, uh, obviously, the taxes, customs, I mean, excise duty, excise duty is quite an important part of that. Uh, and obviously for making profits, uh, we pay uh, income Tax. taxes. Yeah. So, so once you go illicit, uh, all of that stuff disappears. Well, I just 
people have bandied figures and things around, and the last one that I heard that was quite fantabuloso was sort of 13 billion rand a month in that excise sales, this, that, the next thing. I do believe firmly that the existing government has transferred 80% of the alcohol business from the formal to the informal sector. It's very apparent. That's what's happened. Yes, certainly. I mean, It's uh, never going to come right. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're talking about it, actually. Uh, that, For instance, on New Year's Eve, everyone had alcohol. Most people had alcohol. Uh, everyone had access to alcohol. How they got it, no one knows. Uh, but that's, that's a fact. Yeah. We do know, and we do know that it's going to continue, and I think that you're quite right when you say it is creating a big, fat Achilles heel in the moral fiber of South African you see society. It, yeah, you see it with the cigarette industry. Mm. Uh, so you now have a criminal system operating, and that's the easy way to make money for most people. Uh, and even innocent, even really innocent people have been pushed to go into illegal trading sometimes uh, just because they have... You've got to buy food. Yeah. I know, it's a big problem. It's something that I wonder how the government, maybe they can come, maybe they can come, we'll ask Alec to get a program going where they can come on air and tell everybody how they, how they envisage stamping out all of this illegal trade and illicit trade because I would, I would hate to have the receiver of revenues job at this stage of the game because he must have lost a good 60 to 70% of his mm. business. Yeah, and that's, those are the long-term effects uh, on the country. Uh, mm. So the, the survival of an industry is not just about the industry itself. It's all those things down the value chain, uh, which is taxes and uh, behavior and all sorts of damage to society. Yeah. Mots, what are we to do about It's very, very sort of topical in the industry at the moment. Our harvest is approaching. We've still got billions of liters of wine in tank and barrel that hasn't been bottled or sent overseas or anything yet. We've got a new harvest looming. What are we going to do? Is Vinpro doing anything to try and help the farmers export this bulk wine that we've got? It's a very difficult process. Uh, if you remember, the initial alcohol ban, we couldn't export. So that pipeline, and we missed the season uh, because that was white wine that was going off in bulk and into those markets. They found alternative sources. Uh, so we've been probably trying a whole lot of, a range of things to try and deal with this wine lake. Um, one of the discussions was uh, around using it for sanitizer, but it's way too expensive. It's, it's cheaper to use uh, cane spirits uh, to make sani- hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are other various ways that Vinpo uh, has been looking at to try and get rid of the of the wine lake, but it's extremely difficult. We have about sixty five percent of capacity uh, still filled with last year's wine. Oy. And we're going into harvest now. So you, you can imagine as a wine farmer, you're sitting there and say, do I harvest or do I harvest? Because you have to get rid of the other stuff. And uh, we're not even allowed to drink, so we can't even encourage yeah. everyone to drink that 65%, <laughs> can we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah. Uh, it's extremely difficult. You know. Maybe we've got to start up a new balsamic vinegar industry in South Africa. But the big percentage of the wine that we produce, yeah, I guess... Is wine. Yeah, that's... Mm. Uh, your prognosis for going forward, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think we're going to live in a world without COVID within the next 12 months? I doubt it. Uh, look, I think what's happening now, we're probably just looking at the what's called the R number, the number of infections per infection. Uh, that's fairly high, um, and that will probably lead to herd immunity. So by the time we get the vaccine, I think quite a big chunk of the population would have uh, had COVID, and that would probably help slow it down. 
Uh, but obviously it comes in cycles, so we still don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, I mean, I was listening to some story about someone doing some trials and about a third of the people that was trying to do, the way they were trying to do this vac vaccine trials on, had had COVID. They didn't, they didn't even know it. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, uh, it's alarming. I think I'm going to phone Cyril and suggest to him that a bottle of Epicurean is a vaccine against COVID. Should we do that? For those of you who don't know, Motley owns Epicurean. <laughs> it's an extraordinarily gorgeous wine. What are you going to do about bottling your Epicurean this year? Look, fortunately, we are relatively medium-sized, uh, small producer, uh, but we have to bottle. I mean, I've had discussions with uh, some of the big producers where they're going to probably just not bottle, some if not even going to harvest. Uh, so it's a really, really difficult Well, situation. I've been chatting to people as well, um, looking for content for, for, biz, for biz news wine corners, but um, a lot of the producers are selling their grapes of fruit juice concentrate. Yeah, that's uh, that's some of the solution of the part solution of, of the wine lake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the, the implications for the value of farms, uh, for instance, the banks are sitting, uh, the, the land bank, all, all of that, the whole system uh, is is at risk. Now. It's very tenuous. Yeah. Well, good luck in your in your sort of legal battle. Let's hope that the government does find a way. I'm not going to say let's hope that they lift the ban because we don't need to lift the ban and be irresponsible. We need to lift the ban and at the same time make sure that everybody is looked after from an economic and a health, both mental and physical perspective. So how we find that balance, I don't know, but hopefully with people like you at the helm, we will. Yeah, and Kerry, I mean, important to point out that Vinfo is doing this very, very reluctantly. Yes. You know, uh, they've tried, they've exhausted all the avenues, uh, and we've just final, only final approach that we can have uh, for our members here. Well, we'll chat again soon. Mots, thanks so much for coming into the studio. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you. Thank you, Kerry.